Good morning and welcome to the Snake River Lib podcast. It's Monday the 17th of April. Uh, just completed a weekend of staff training for the upcoming Camp Geiger camp season for the Boy Scouts of America. Very excited about that, of course, as always. Always feel honored to be on that staff. It's one of the most elite scout staffs in the country, or scout camp staffs in the country. Um, there's a lot to talk about today, and trying to figure out where to begin with I guess let's begin with uh, just a little hit on Elon Musk. Right now there's a big race uh, amongst uh, EV makers. And today, of course, is a big day for Elon. You know, he said the largest rocket ever produced is going to be fired off or scheduled to go off today, depending on weather conditions, etc., making sure all the equipment is a go uh, for SpaceX. Uh, Tesla is in a race to to uh, get to the uh, sub thirty thousand uh, dollar electric vehicle. Um, the Biden administration, uh, just as a quick hit on that, you know, they're proposing regulations as as far as uh, fuel economy regulations that are essentially going to force automakers to have two out of every three cars sold be electric. The problem is, and this is something that that they don't want to acknowledge with that, is that to be able to produce the numbers of electric vehicles, assuming that they can get them down to where people can afford them, the... uh, uh, you'd have to increase production of the materials necessary for those batteries by some 2,000%. There's no way to, to mine enough lithium, enough cobalt, enough of the other rare earth metals to produce the batteries. And, and the, the carbon cost, if you want to talk about carbon costs for uh, EVs, is astronomical. Uh, Motor Trend, a friend of EVs, estimates that your car, your electric vehicle, actually is not um, advantageous over your traditional internal combustion engine vehicle as far as carbon uh, output until 60,000 mile mark because of the additional resources required, uh, the rare earth metals and the mining of those rare earth metals, to produce the batteries and such. So, you know, until your vehicle reaches the 60,000 mile mark, and that's not even including how your electricity is produced, but but until you reach that 60,000 mile mark, it required more carbon to produce and run your electric vehicle than it does the traditional uh, internal combustion engine. And here's the funny part about that. For the wealthy, the wealthy not going to have a vehicle at 60,000 miles. So as the rich buy their electric vehicles and as they trade them in or, or what have you, those vehicles will never be more uh, uh, 
friendly to the environment while the rich own them than uh, the internal uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. Just think about that for a moment. That's Motor Trend, not me, um, estimating that. But back to Elon. Um, he's also, uh, they're also airing some clips. Tonight is going to be uh, the Elon Musk interview on Tucker Carlson. which I would encourage you. I'm looking forward to watching it. But he talks about AI, and he also talks about um, the uh, government involvement of Twitter. And and when we say Twitter, of course, that's all we know about because Elon went, Elon Musk went, Elon Musk, a progressive, by the way, not a conservative, went and bought Twitter and found out that what we had was significant government intrusion into a, a private platform. Now, that's important to understand because, as we've highlighted here, you know, Twitter and Facebook, et cetera, Instagram, all these things are not subject necessarily to the First Amendment. I would say that their their reliance on Section 230 uh, of the Communications Act I don't remember the exact name of the act, so forgive me for that. You know, that they're not, they cannot be held liable for content because they're not publishers, they are simply platforms. They're essentially the town square. You know, just like you can't hold the town square accountable for some nut job out there claiming that the world is going to end tomorrow. You can't hold Twitter accountable for that. But the problem is, is that Twitter, and we can infer Facebook, Instagram, etc. Well, we actually know in YouTube, Google, they all censor what they consider misinformation. Now, we know the depth that the government was involved in. The fact that the government was involved with Twitter in, in uh, censoring information is a violation of the First Amendment. But I'll take it, I'll take it a step further. That the fact that, that these social media platforms choose what information they allow on or actively censor information that they don't allow on onto their platforms in reality, makes them cease to be a platform and actually become a publisher itself and thus should be held liable for whatever content there is. Now, we know about Twitter because Elon went and bought the company. And he dug in and started exposing... All the rats underneath, you know, you, you lift up the you lift up the rug and all the ants and, and roaches and stuff go scurrying to the corners. And so what happened is you had some journalists, progressive journalists, by the way, Barry Weiss, Michael Schellenberger, uh, Matt Taibbi, others. 
expose the fact that that Twitter had direct communications with the federal government and that the federal government was actively working with Twitter to censor, to violate the First Amendment rights of other people. And thus Twitter, while it is a, a private entity and it technically is not subject to the First Amendment, should in fact be subject to the First Amendment because the government was working with it to do so. We'll see what happens in that in the long term. But here's a, a question, and this is something that Zuckerberg and 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 uh, uh, Google and Amazon need to be brought forward, and they just need to ask questions. A simple question from the Congress under oath. If independent journalists were able to have full access to the workings at your company, are they going to find similar things as they did at Twitter? I would love to see Zuckerberg ask that question. Because we can infer based on what was going on at Twitter, that all of this is going on at all of them. Because they're all doing the same thing. They were all censoring what they deemed misinformation. And this is one of the things that, you know, Elon Musk, there's a clip with the interview with Tucker Carlson, which I have a lot of respect for Tucker Carlson. Do I always agree with him? Absolutely not. But I do have a lot of respect for him. Elon said the issues with AI and the programming of AI, because artificial intelligence only knows what it's been told and is, and is framed perhaps with a bias, and anyone that thinks not is an idiot. The issue of social media platforms and government interaction with those social media platforms under the cover of darkness is here today. AI threat may be an issue tomorrow, and he is warned, long warned, about the threat of AI. But the threat of government intrusion via social media is here today. He even went so far as to say that that the government had access to direct messages on Twitter as opposed to just what's on the public domain. And I want you to think about that for just a minute whenever you post. Um, you know, we're told uh, as part of the staff at Scout Camp, you know, that we have to be judicious in, in what we post on social media because once you post it there, it's there forever. You know, even if you go just immediately go delete, it's probably too late. And and uh, the council, as a member of the staff, the council may end up being held accountable for something that we post. And so that's extremely important that we understand that. And I'm always very, whenever I post things regarding the council uh, or scout camp, I'm always very judicious in how I, I try to be very judicious in how I do that. We're going to take a little break because we got a lot to come when we get back. Thanks.
for listening. Welcome back to the Lib. Thank you so much for listening. You would have loved my monologue that I didn't record. Uh, so we're going to try again. Moving on to some of the news hits uh, over the weekend. Uh, Ukraine, you know, of course, the the noble patriots, the 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 cradle of democracy in Eastern Europe, Ukraine, that we're helping to save from the Russians. Apparently more than helping, but actually fighting alongside Ukrainians, uh, American soldiers. Just found that out. Um, apparently is somewhat corrupt. Now, that's understandable. Most governments are going to be corrupt. That's why, you know, the smaller the government, the better. And why is the smaller the government, the better? Fewer people are corrupt. If you have fewer people involved in government, you have fewer people trying to scam off of it. Well, guess what? You know, we've been sending, you know, billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine. We've been sending, you know, arms. We've been sending uh, money to help pay their... Uh, their uh, uh, social safety net there, fuel, etc. Well, guess what? You know, money that we've been paying f to Ukraine to be able to, to purchase fuel, they've been buying it at a discount from the Russians and pocketing the difference. For all of how we've heard how evil Vladimir Putin is, and this noble fight, every bit the same as the Revolutionary War against Putin, And Zelensky's buying diesel from the Russians at a discount. And he's pocketing the money. The difference. Apparently many other people are selling arms globally from Ukraine. Now remember, we're pouring arms in. And are we pay, are they is Ukraine paying for them? Likely not, since we're not only providing them arms, but we're also paying the salaries and, and pensions of government, government employees there in Ukraine. Apparently the Ukrainians are skimming some of that off the top. And selling arms on the world market. Now this came out. Uh, from uh, investigative journalist uh, Seymour Hirsch. We're still trying to get to the bottom of the leak regarding Ukraine. There are many people that think that this was a controlled leak regarding the fact that the United States has boots on the ground in Ukraine. Guess what? Shadows of Vietnam. But they're advisors. just like Vietnam. 
you know, I only wish that Biden was half as competent as LBJ was. I can't stand LBJ. What he did to this country, what he did to the blacks in particular. But the guy knew what he's doing. Except when it came to Vietnam. But that's generally the issue with Democrats. I mean, you know, they're still trying to blame Trump for Afghanistan. They can't because they changed the timeline. And once they changed the timeline, they owned all of it. So we don't know what would have happened if Trump had been president and they had withdrawn, you know, four months earlier. Because we didn't. How does an airman in a National Guard unit get access to the information that was provided unless it may have been intentional because they're trying to control a narrative? But there's so much more than Ukraine going on. The uh, dollar value at Anheuser-Busch, the loss regarding the uh, Bud Light debacle, is now approaching $6 billion. And they're worried that it might actually continue and continue to get worse. Anheuser-Busch has put out a pro-America-style commercial with the Clydesdales and waving the flag, and they just don't get it. But then elites rarely do, which is what made Donald Trump such a rarity. You know, he's definitely in the 1% group. There's no question to that. And yet... And yet, he understood the people far better than these elitists do. But I want to move on from that. The transgender activists are going cray-cray. Uh, which they have to do. They have to. They have to p- find some sort of cover because the fact is that many of the last mass shooting events were caused by either transgender or non-binary individuals. Which I guess I don't know if that means transgender or not. They're floating these terms out there so frequently that you know don't know what's what, but. That's becoming a problem because is transgender, is gender dysphoria, is that a a mental illness that has to be treated? And if so, is that something that should be red flagged? Is, Is there something in regards to, you know, jacking up somebody's hormones to that extent that causes them to, to snap some individuals? Not all. I'm not, believe me, this is not, this is not pointed 
at people that are suffering. This is pointed at the movement, at the ideology, or better said, in some cases, theology. You know, you had the, tra- the, the, the shooting at the Covenant School in Kentucky. I'm sorry, Tennessee. By the way, another mass shooting in Alabama at a Sweet 16 birthday party um, over the weekend. But yeah, the shooting at the Covenant School, they're counting the transgender shooter among the, among the victims. They're not a victim. I mean, they are, but not in the way that they're being portrayed. Perhaps that's a better subject discussed over on the on the the rim, the transgender issue, um, because in reality, you know. But speaking of which, let me, let me let me drop something here real quick, and then we're going to move on from that. Washington State is working on legislation right now, or proposed rule, that if a child says that they are not what their birth sex is, and a, a child, a minor, And the parent doesn't actively move on that, taking them in for hormone replacement, for puberty blockers, surgery, etc. Then the state can come in and take that child away and put them in foster care so that they can get the gender-affirming care that they need. Gender-affirming care, by the way, which which we don't know the long-term consequences of, and particularly for those that are not gone through puberty yet. Remember when you had to have your parents' permission to provide any medical care to somebody? Now it's like, screw the parents' petition or permission. In fact, we're not even going to tell them. Nowhere is the state attempting to destroy the family. Is that more evident than that right there? Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, the Lib's current, or yeah, the Lib, meaning the Snake River Lib's current favorite uh, candidate for 2024, has spoken out on the needs for families. You know, the family, of course, the Lib would tell you, and and you would hear more about it over on the on the the view from the rim. Family is the building block of eternity, but but in practical terms. It's the building block of this country. You want to see where things went wrong? And we mentioned LBJ before. Prior to the great society. And and the institution of all the programs involved with that. 70% of black children. I'll be right back. Sorry, I got to take it. 
I hate it when that happens, but sometimes there's a, a fo- an important phone call that you do have to take. Um, so I apologize for that. Welcome to the lib. This nation was built on families. LBJ and subsequent Democrats have worked done, worked night and day to try to tear apart the family. Before LBJ, 70% of black children were born into a two-parent household. Uh, since LBJ, 70% are born in a one-parent household. Mind you, in particular with regards to black children, over 50% of black pregnancies are aborted. So when you talk about 75% born into a single-parent household, that's after eliminating half of the pregnancies. And you wonder why there's a problem in this country. Not that a single parent can't raise a child. That's we would never say that. You know, we've highlighted Ben Carson. There are many, many others. You know, even Clarence Thomas was primarily not raised by his parents, but his grandparents. Single parents absolutely are capable of raising their children. However, the ideal. is two parents in the home. Now, the the progressives are, are, are complaining that, you know, they're going on a tear about, you know, Bernie Sanders went off on, on Jen Psaki the other day on MSNBC about how, you know, the wages and such, you know, that we have a shortage of child care, et cetera. Well, here's the bottom line. Why do you need two people working from a home? Could it be because 50% of income goes into various forms of taxation? Think about that for a minute. Government and the cost of government currently makes two people in a household working a necessity. So is it any wonder that a single parent's not able to survive? But speaking of which, Many households that, that rely almost entirely on government-based assistance, the government spending upwards of $60,000 in needs-based assistance per household that is living on that. I want you to think about that because perhaps you earn just a little bit too much to, to be on Medicaid or to have Section 8 housing or to have food stamps. And so you're eking by. Meanwhile, somebody who's earning nothing has a place to live, has utilities, cable, internet, those are utilities these days, I guess, has food on the table, has access to medical care. You know, and, and when I say access, you know, not just health insurance through Medicaid, but actually they can get in, you know, they can afford to go to a doctor. I'm not saying we shouldn't have a safety net, but I am saying that what about those who are above that cutoff? Because that's how it works in this country. 
you're just a little bit too much and you're cut off. And that's by design because they don't want you to work. By design. By the way, you're always going to have the bottom 15%, right? It doesn't matter how well off you are. It doesn't matter the fact that the lower class in the United States lives far better than lower middle class pretty much anywhere else in the world, and in many places better than the middle class in the world. There's a reason that people want to come here in spite of the claims of racism and systemic racism and and the transphobia and homophobia and such, there's a reason that people want to go, come here. And it's because of opportunity. Is there a bias? Yes. Is it going to be hard for people that, that start from the bottom? particularly if you're a person of color? I'm not going to deny that. Is it impossible? I don't know. Ask Dr. Carson. Ask Justice Thomas. And you know what the thing is? Is that there's a distinction between blacks who have grown up in the United States and may be part of a generational system of being taught to be victims, not unlike the Palestinians in Israel, by the way, And blacks who immigrate here from Africa or from the Caribbean. It seems that those blacks that immigrate here don't seem to have the problems. They don't experience the systemic racism. Is there racism? There's always going to be racism. You can't hide it. But the opportunity far outweighs the ability of some redneck jerk to put his thumb on the scale and keep you down. Winsome Sears, the lieutenant governor of Virginia, daughter of immigrants, And the last statistic, of course, you want to stay out of poverty? Graduate from high school, get married before you have kids. If you do that, guess what? Across racial lines, the number, the percentage of people meeting those characteristics below the poverty line, single digit percentage wise. My life matters. Does yours? It's the Snake River Lib.